You are listening to Keep Canada Weird, a weekly weird news roundup by The Nighttime Podcast. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to the weekly Keep Canada Weird discussion series. If you're new here, Keep Canada Weird is the venue in which my pal Aaron Airport and I seek out and explore the more offbeat Canadian news stories from the past week. In tonight's episode, which we recorded on the evening of April 30th, 2023, Aaron and I discuss the search for Diesel of the Stolen Dog. We express our relief that our faces aren't on Moncton's wall of shame. We react to the passing of Bill C-11. We roll our eyes at Saskatchewan's online sensitivity. And we hear two stories of dumb and disturbing Canadian criminals. Let's get into it. Handsome Aaron Airport. It's Sunday night, buddy. You know what that means. Oh, I know exactly what that means. What? Uh, tomorrow's Monday. Yeah. Oh, the Monday. I feel like Garfield every Monday, you know? Yeah, those mm-hmm. cartoons, like the Mondays. I mean, I don't really understand why Garfield has such a problem with Mondays because he didn't have a job. Yeah, it's true. He had it pretty good. Yeah, he's a cat. He ate lasagna. Like, what was his problem with Mondays? What what difference is Monday from Tuesday or Wednesday or Saturday? If Garfield was real, there's a, you know, like a lot of shows and comics and cartoons and stuff have like these sort of weird like fan theories about what they're about. One of the theories is that uh, about Garfield is that Garfield is like an imaginary construct of his owner, John. And there's these uh, kind of like people have gone through the comics the comic strips and they've removed Garfield from them. So it's, it's just John in the, in the panels. And like, I think Mm -hmm. it's called like Garfield without Garfield. And if you look at those comics without Garfield's input, John seems like a complete crazy person. And it's actually quite entertaining. Well, so would any character. If you took out the other characters in the scene and just had the character speaking to themselves, essentially. But with Garfield without Garfield, it works. Trust me, Google, sometime Google Garfield without Garfield and read through it. But I anyway, will, yeah. we're already off track and we're not even one minute into it. How was your weekend? What's going on over there? Oh, weekend was good. It was a pretty busy weekend. I've been working on a lot of taxes. It's um, mm. Today is April 30th, but the actual tax deadline Boring. is... Uh, okay. Boring. Uh... <laughs> we're trying to do a podcast. You're talking about taxes. <laughs> Yeah, let's talk about taxes the whole show. Okay, go ahead. Entertain me. No, when, no. When is that tax deadline? It's Well, it's actually tomorrow. It's normally April 30th, but when April 30th falls on a weekend, then the actual tax deadline becomes the following Monday, mm. which would really give everyone a case of the Mondays who hasn't filed their taxes yet, including myself. I've been doing everybody else's taxes uh. around me except my own. Uh. Uh, yeah, so I shouldn't have lashed out like that. I think the problem was, if you recall, a few weeks back, we had that whole thing where I was required uh, to remind people of the tax deadline and the whole roundup thing. That's behind us. And I'm just a little like, I'll say it, I'm a little pissy about that whole exchange uh, with the government, but we're over mm-hmm. it now. Um, okay. Let's get into it. We're not here to do our taxes. We're not here to even discuss taxes. This is this show takes place in a universe completely devoid of tax returns. Uh, we're here to keep Canada weird by highlighting the unique and unusual and offbeat and amazing things that happened in the Great White North over the past week. Tonight, I dare say, is going to be one of the best collections of stories that we've ever gone through. But before I introduce the stories, why don't we catch up on a piece of listener voice memo mail? Ah, oh, wonderful. I love the listener mail. 
Well, this one comes from one of the best parts of Canada. What oh, do you think okay. that is? My bed? Nope. The Netherlands. Listen to this. Hello, Aaron and Jordan. I'm Joblin calling in from the Netherlands. So I was just listening to the most recent episode of Keep Canada Weird. And something in Aaron's story about the snake and the woman kind of uh, reminded me of something. Well, actually here in the Netherlands, in 2007, we had kind of a similar situation where uh, Bokito, who was a silverback gorilla, escaped from his uh, enclosure, um, dragged a woman like a puppet across the zoo, bit her a couple of times, and then uh, went into the restaurant and attacked a couple of more people. Well, you may ask now, why the hell would a gorilla escape and just do this? Well, she, this woman, came in the zoo every day. She would directly go to the boquito. She would put her hand on the glass and he would do the same thing. And she said they would smile at each other. Well, actually, um, what she interpreted as smiling, showing her teeth to an alpha male gorilla, was completely wrongly interpreted. So he <laughs> actually was really angry with her. And then he escaped mostly to just attack her. Um, okay, this sounds very dramatic, and it was, but she totally survived. She just had a hand operation, I think. He also survived. Uh, and coincidentally, he actually died this month, uh, 27 years of age. So rest in peace, Bokito. You guys, thank you so much for the show. I really enjoyed it. For some reason, I enjoyed the most um criticism about tim hortons even though i've never heard of tim hortons before in my life i love it <laughs> all right keep the good work going bye-bye <laughs> so you, you we'll break that down in a few ways first you remember your theory on the snake mm -hmm. was like i do very clearly a, a hug yeah. or something well yeah because my theory was that she was developing what she thought was a very strong emotional connection with the snake Mm -hmm. So she started to cross boundaries that you shouldn't cross uh, with a snake because at the end of the day, a snake is a snake. So mm -hmm. what she interpreted as a snake just sitting there, maybe accidentally looking at her every now and then not moving or saying anything. She interpreted that as a snake listening and, and caring and connecting <laughs> with her. So kind of like this story with the gorilla, the lady going to the mm. zoo and smiling at the gorilla when he's thinking she's just behind the glass being like, I'm going to get yeah. you, gorilla. And then he yeah. sees his opportunity. I actually Googled it. Bokito, the gorilla in the Netherlands. Yeah, it's just as as Joblin told the story. Um, it's true. And very similar stories, I guess. It provided your theory is correct. Uh, she enjoys hearing us complain about Tim Hortons, despite not knowing what Tim Hortons is. Mm. Luckily, that hasn't uh, that cancer hasn't spread to the Netherlands yet. And if it does, we'll have an advocate there to advocate for good coffee and not Tim Hortons. Hopefully, she's the first person like when they have the when they have the tim hortons built and ready to go on opening day hopefully she chains herself to the door to prevent anybody from going in mm. is what yeah. i hope uh she'll do and yeah and and back to the gorilla you know it's it's just again another case of of um, you know my theory of human beings putting human emotions into into wild animals you know i just think it's a bit of a dangerous thing to do mm. And um, especially ones that aren't domesticated.
Yeah, absolutely. Especially ones that are giant alpha male, like mm -hmm. monsters that can get out and drag you like a puppet around a zoo. Yeah, she said he she had to get the victim of Bokito's attack had to get hand surgery. Is that a polite way of saying like the thing bit her hands off? Um, well, I imagine she's getting, yeah, some kind of a robotic hands. And yeah. And um, she'll be in some kind of a comic book scenario <laughs> as a gorilla fighter. Uh, Joblin liked our take on, or, or liked our complaints against Tim Hortons. I want to have one quick one. I just want to open that door before we get into the stories. Mm -hmm, okay. Every year, Tim Hortons does their campaign to raise money for their camps. Uh, what they do is... So they have camps where children um, who normally wouldn't or who may not otherwise have the opportunity to go can go to the Tim Hortons camps, which are funded by Tim Hortons. Uh, one of the ways they raise money for the camps is by the sale of something they call smile cookies, which are chocolate chip cookies that have a really poorly drawn smile on them. Uh, sometimes there's a bit of a joke like you buy them and you're like, how is this even supposed to be a smiling face on this cookie? For years, I think since this whole smile cookie thing started, the smile cookies have been $1 each, and that dollar went to fund the camps. Mm -hmm. For the first time ever, they've raised the price of those to $1.50, which has left um, a lot of people unhappy. And I was just kind of thinking with this, uh, thinking about this, because I get inflation, like things cost more now, so it makes sense to rise the price, to raise the price. But when the entire value of it goes to funding the camps, it's like a charitable yeah. donation. So it's like they're forcing everyone to donate more money. Do you, do you have any thoughts on the increase in price of the smile cookie? Yeah. Uh, off the top of my head, it doesn't make a lot of sense when a hundred percent of the, well, is it a hundred percent of the profits or a hundred percent of the proceeds? Like, I think it's the whole thing. You buy a smile cookie for a dollar and a dollar goes to the camp. So now are they giving the whole dollar fifty to the camp, like, or are they now taking a percentage of it? Well, I guess that's the question that needs to be asked. Yeah, because if the whole dollar fifty is going to the camp still, then then so be it. Mm -hmm. But um, if it's I, not, then that's where we're getting into we muddy waters. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. We'll we'll have to dig deeper into that. We'll put on I think our. We need more stats. information on this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm sure we'll get a call from Tim Hortons exec that'll fill us in. Yeah. Let's get to the stories, because we have a big one here, a big collection of stories. We're going to hear the story of what I'm calling hashtag save diesel. We're going to hear about Moncton's wall of shame, some updates on a prior topic we covered, which is the government's bill C-11. We're going to talk about Saskatchewan's clutched pearls, and then we have a couple dumb Canadian criminals to get into. Uh, where do you think we should start this? Uh, should we go with C11, do you think? Or what do you uh, think? Let's save that for the middle because you that, want to mid, uh, yeah, you want to mid that. Yeah. I want to mid that. Let's start with um let's start with save diesel. That's the the one I said first. Oh, okay. Sure. Uh this is and I think this is an important story because this uh, people should be aware of this. This we've covered things like this in the past. It's the story of a stolen dog, specifically a stolen truck that had a dog named Diesel in it. In essence, in an Eastern Ontario man is asking for the public's help after his truck was stolen, again, with his trusty best friend Diesel in the car. This happened this past Wednesday, April 26th, at a mini mall in a place called Iroquois, Ontario. So listen to the news story and then we'll break it down. 
David Borovoy only wants one thing. I just want my dog. I don't care about the truck. Borovoy ran into this food land in Iroquois to grab toothpaste Wednesday morning, leaving his truck running with his 11-year-old dog, Diesel, inside. I came out of the food land and thought someone was playing a trick on me. Being like someone got in my truck and moved it. But he soon realized it had been stolen, along with Diesel and his cell phone, wallet, and passport. Everything was in that truck. Last night was not an easy night, I can tell you that. Borovoy called the OPP, who say the truck was last seen heading west on Highway 2 towards the traffic circle. But after more than 24 hours, they say they have no leads on the truck or the missing dog. This uh, auto thief was quite brave in jumping in a truck with a German Shepherd and taking off with it. While the 125-pound dog would usually be a great anti-theft device, OPP continue to investigate and ask anyone with information to call Crime Stoppers. Even if we are going into the store for just a few seconds, we are encouraging motorists, always lock your vehicle, don't keep uh, valuables inside, and just make sure you have your keys with you. Borovoy says he has not slept for more than 30 hours and has driven hundreds of kilometers around the region looking for his German Shepherd. He says the search will continue until Diesel is found. My question is, why would you take the dog? Why wouldn't you kick him out and leave him there? He says Diesel walks with a limp and was wearing a brightly colored collar. The missing truck is a silver 2016 Chevy Silverado 4x4. Whoever has taken my dog, you have destroyed me in more ways. That's all I can say. For people listening that can't see that, that is the kind of dog where, where if I was walking down the street and that dog was walking towards me, I would consider going to the other side of the street because it looks like a strong dog mm. that could potentially be mean. He's a German Shepherd and a big dog. But I guess by the sounds of that news clip, he walks the limp and he's maybe not as aggressive as he may look. But if you're going to steal a truck and there's this giant dog in it, why would you dare open the door? and get in and risk it that's going on here uh well some people just aren't afraid of dogs i guess and mm -hmm. an individual that's going to be stealing a truck out of a grocery store parking lot is probably already thrown logic out the window so but yeah we covered a story that was almost identical to this mm -hmm. a number of months ago right yeah, and they had. I think in that story they had dropped the dog off somewhere. Is the eventually, way that went. yeah, and they yeah. ended up. It, it, I think it ended well, but it happens in this case. The do, the car, the truck was left running, so he ran in the store quickly. He left yeah, his truck yeah. running, but I guess if you're leaving your dog in it, it, you may leave it running to have like the air conditioning or something on. Maybe I guess you could just leave. The but if he's just down. running in for a second, yeah, I mean. We'll first start off by saying that, uh, you know, I pray that this dog gets returned to the owner because there's nothing more heartbreaking when you see uh, an owner separated from from their their pet and then yeah. the pet is they don't even know where it's at and they don't know oh. if it's safe. And there's all these unknowns about this situation. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, like, I really hope that he's able to get his dog back. You know, like he says, the truck's not important. The cell phone's not important. The dog is the most important thing. And, you know, if the person is out there, just return the dog and move on. You mm -hmm. know, but, yeah, I would never, ever leave my car. Uh, you know, having said all that about the dog, uh, I would never, ever leave my car unlocked or with the keys in it or anything i'm i'm notorious for locking my car as soon as i step away 
Yeah, I'm I'm the same. I have like on my keychain, you press the button and it locks yeah. the doors. And I even like I lock my car when I get out of it, of course. But even before I go to bed at night, I double check the locks on my car. Mm -hmm. I just go beep beep, make sure it's locked. Um, but in a, I couldn't imagine like and not to place blame towards him or anything, but I couldn't imagine leaving my car running when I went in somewhere. No, no. Uh, but maybe he has a good reason, or maybe it's a smaller town. Here in Halifax, yeah. I wouldn't expect my car to be outside if I ran into a mini mall with it running. But then again, if I had a German Shepherd, I'd be like, what kind of idiot is going to mess with my giant German Shepherd with the car running uh, or truck well, running? Yeah, we're, we're dealing with a different type of individual here that's going around stealing vehicles out of mm -hmm. grocery store parking lots. And again, like there, there, there tends to be commonly a, a small town mentality of um, leaving doors unlocked, mm -hmm. not just car doors or truck doors, but house doors too. Like I know people, you know, Cape Breton has, uh, you know, rural parts of it that that have that same mentality where they feel that the community is is very safe and very crime free. And, you know, I have relatives who leave their door unlocked 100 percent of the time, okay. whether they're home, whether they're not home, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And it's just kind of a, a way of life with people. And it's a nice thought that, Hey, you know, I feel like I live in a town where I can do that, but nobody lives in a town where you can actually do that because mm -hmm. there's always a bad apple out there in every small town that'll it's true. steal your truck in mm -hmm. a food land parking lot. Uh, we have a last minute update on this story. Just before we went live, I was looking for updates. As you know, this, as I mentioned, it was this past Wednesday that the truck was stolen with diesel in it. We're now recording it several days later on Sunday. Here's the latest news. It's, it's not, it's not a good update. So this is the, a, an article just published uh, earlier today on CTV. The headline, spoiler alert, is Eastern Ontario man stolen truck found, but dog still missing. Oh, my God. So the owner, uh, Borovoy, told CTV News Ottawa on Sunday that his truck was found in Iroquois on Saturday, but not his dog Diesel. And they're quoting him. The truck has been to Quebec and back with the plates being removed along the way, he says, adding that there was damage to parts of the vehicle, several items strewn about inside, and unfortunately, surveillance footage of the area hasn't revealed any leads about what may have happened to his dog. So he doesn't even, he, it doesn't even say where the vehicle was found or the circumstances of it, just that it was found and the dog hasn't mm -hmm. been there. That's horrible. Yeah. That's even worse now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's even worse so because the, the truck is back. You would hope that the dog would be inside uh, and it's not. So that means either the person let the dog out at some point in time and the dog is God knows where in between, you know, Ontario and Quebec. Or the person is keeping the dog. Mm, yeah. Or there's other worse options too, but uh, just brutal. Yeah, he must be just sick. He must be just completely heartbroken and yeah. devastated over this. You had talked about how even in small towns, you probably can't leave your doors open. You're talking about crime, and that's going to be a great segue to the next story I wanted to cover here, which is the story of 
Moncton, New Brunswick's Wall of Shame. And this kind of reminds you of something that I... Uh, yes, I know I, exactly okay, what you're going to say. We'll get yeah. into this. So, mm -hmm. in essence, a Moncton business owner is fed up with being the target of frequent thefts. Uh, the cops aren't doing as much as he thinks they should, so he's taken the law or at least take an advocacy into his own hands by having a large billboard outside of his business on the side of the road with photographs of the thieves. Here's a little bit of the story, then we'll talk about it and, and talk about uh, what we are comparing this to or what this reminds us of, because we're both probably thinking of the same thing. Mm -hmm, we are. Here's yeah. the story. Business owner Damien Beeman has put bars on all the windows of his business, installed security cameras, and an alarm system. All of that still isn't enough to curb frequent thefts, so he's put up his own wall of shame with pictures of the alleged thieves. Every night we've got thieves that either jump fences, cut hole in fences, and basically steal stuff. And, you know, I'm kind of tired of it. Uh, it's all stuff that I've paid for once and I have to buy again. He's had his excavator stolen, along with propane tanks, torches, and other equipment. All in all, it's cost him roughly $10,000 to replace the stolen items and for security costs. He says Kodiak RCMP haven't been able to help because the alleged thieves have their faces covered in the security footage. Every time that they arrive, the first thing that they ask is, do you have a picture of the face? Mechanic and business owner Roger Basterash thinks the sign is a great idea. He thinks the RCMP should have more of a presence, as the catalytic converters have been stolen from his client's cars in his lot. Well, there should be more police patrol around the area, because you might see one once in, uh, once in a blue moon. Just down the road, fellow garage owner Stephen Parker has been dealing with break-ins and vehicle thefts. How many police reports have you had to file? I think I stopped at 16 or 17. A representative for the Kodiak RCMP told Global News, business owners should report all thefts, as the number of thefts in an area is used to determine where to do patrols and how frequently. I support that kind of, mm -hmm. that level of vigilante justice, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a comfortable level, I think. Uh -huh. I think um, I would, and I would want to do the same thing. If I had a photo of the person who broke into my business and the cops couldn't do anything, I just want to get that photo out there. I'd put it on social media, of course, but I think having it on a billboard outside of my business also would be a good thing to do. Yeah, it's unfortunate you can't see the faces of the individuals, mm -hmm. but maybe someone will see it, recognize the the body, the clothing, and and maybe kind of uh, give them some kind of a tip on on who you know these people are that keep doing this over and over again yeah or it may just encourage people to come up with better ways to conceal their faces and mm -hmm. continue to get away with it because it doesn't seem like the police are doing anything right and they're probably like you know we we there's what are we going to do at this point in time we have no <laughs> i mean they could patrol the area more but i don't know what their resources are like in that town you know mm. what the, in terms of yeah, one of the victims of the crime in that area that was interviewed in that news clip talked about catalytic converters. I don't know what that is, but it seems like that part of a car is it is it full of gold or something? Like it seems everywhere you hear of catalytic converters being stolen. It's the only car part other than motor that I know. You ever hear? It, it sounds like a piece of the DeLorean and Back to the Future. Yeah, and I like see the flux they're... capacitor, the. <laughs> Yeah, all the criminals are building time machines with all these catalytic converters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a nice um, I don't know what it is. I don't know enough about cars to know it's a time why machine that's car. so 
Yeah, well, I mean, I know more about time travel than I do about cars. <laughs> so, unfortunately. So, this um, story we just heard, it, it resonated with both of us because uh, there's a convenience store in the town that we're both from, um, Sydney, Cape Breton Island, Nova Scotia. The store is called Big Ben's. We actually did an episode together about a yeah. murder that took place on Big Ben's. But they have, the, and for years, have had their wall of shame. But it's yeah, not a wall of yeah. shame. It's actually like the binder it's of shame. It's a binder of shame. It's a portfolio of shame. Yeah. When you walk in the store, there's just like a binder on a table. And as you flip through the binder, it shows like the surveillance footage of the person stealing and it says underneath the picture what they stole and mm -hmm. i think they i don't know if it's encouraged but on some pages i think people wrote in the names of the person pictured yeah it reminds me of when you were a kid and you collected like baseball cards or hockey cards and you would get a binder and you would get the plastic sleeves for the cards to keep mm. them protected and you would put them into the binder so then you mm. would open it up and and look through all of your cards that you collected mm -hmm. and that's what that binder reminds me of in the big ben's convenience yeah. store but it's just it's uh trading so, cards with criminals faces on them yeah it'll just be a picture of like a i don't know a 21 year old woman and underneath it'll say like stole four chocolate bars and chips and yeah. then below that someone will write like <laughs> rebecca wilson yeah 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 <laughs> I would like somebody like maybe an employee there like gets dumped by their boyfriend or girlfriend and then they put their picture in the same binder oh, too. Yeah. Stole Steve my heart. <laughs> broke it. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. Here's here's a little funny story. So I was in Sydney. Uh, this is a couple years ago and I was at Big Ben's and I couldn't help but take a couple photos of the book, the, the yeah. book of shame at Big Ben's. And I posted them on Facebook being like, can you believe this store in my hometown like has this book of shame with the photos? I just put it up and people were commenting and laughing and, you know, doing what people do on social media with like a dumb post like that. And then sure enough, I get a uh, DM from someone uh, oh. <laughs> that was like sort of like um, like a, a pseudo version of a cease and desist asking me to take down the picture of them. No way. And I was like, what? She's like, and they said uh, it was a female and she said, I'm in one of those photos. Please take it down. So wow, I, kind of, I didn't wow. get the story. I have a I just... job interview tomorrow. Can you please take <laughs> down my photo of me stealing Humpty Dumpty chips at the uh, at the Big Ben's convenience store? Yeah, well, that's it. But anyway, let's get on to it. We yeah, there's we a little bit of information in the in the chat tonight about what a catalytic converter is. Oh, is it more interesting than the tax deadline? Because if so, let's hear it. Yeah, yeah, it's equally as interesting, but um, <laughs> it's a uh, catalytic converter, says Thomas, is part of the emission system. It contains platinum, uh, was it palladium and rhodium? I might be saying some of those wrongs, but they're rare, rare metals in it, so it makes it worth uh, a lot more money than a regular car part, I guess. Interesting. Well, there's there's something to make all these crazy people want to cut them out of cars and such. Um Let's move on to a, an update to the Canadian government's handling of media, I guess. People are likely familiar with the CRTC and this idea of CanCon or Canadian content, which is, a, a, I guess, a law or a rule or a government regulation that required radio stations and television stations in Canada to play a certain percentage of content that was made in Canada. And they did that as a way to fund 
you know, the television and music industry mm -hmm. in Canada. But obviously radio and television and video and music and audio and streaming audio have changed since those laws were drafted, you know, back in the dark ages of probably the 70s or 80s or something. There has been some push to get those laws and regulations updated to reflect the current climate of streaming audio. Um, people have been asking or been considering how those laws about Canadian content could be applied to streaming platforms like Netflix and YouTube mm -hmm. and all this stuff. Um, the government has had a bill drafted called C-11 that was going to update that regulation to apply to streaming services. We've talked about it before, probably a year or so ago. Um, it has just recently passed and it is now law and regulation and will certainly change streaming content for Canadians. Here's, a, here's how CBC shares the news and then let's talk about how that could affect Keep Canada Weird. Accordingly, the motion is adopted. And with that vote, the much-debated Bill C-11 passed in the Senate. For the Heritage Minister, it's a big win. The bill is very simple. It's simply asking the streamers that Disney and, and you know Netflix that we all love to contribute to Canadian culture. We were known in Canada for our comedy, and uh, I think we'll see more of that. Liz Shorten says the new regulations for streaming platforms will mean more opportunities for Canadian productions. We're very pleased that the government has taken this bold move. We know that other countries around the world are watching and this will be a historic day. For years, streaming platforms like Netflix, Disney Plus and Amazon Prime have operated in Canada outside of the regulations traditional Canadian broadcasters must follow including Canadian content rules and funding Canadian productions. How that's going to change will now be up to the CRTC, but many critics, including Conservatives, think the law is unnecessary. Why wouldn't we want to compete with the world? Canada can, Canadians can. Just have faith in Canadians. Here, here. Others worry the rules won't be clear enough. So the biggest concern right now is the actual ambiguity around the legislation and the doors that are open and the doors that are not closed. These are five things that make perfect sense in Canada. Much of the controversy around the bill is about whether it would apply to user-generated content, like the videos uploaded to popular sites like TikTok. The government says no. This has nothing to do with user-generated content. It's only about the streamers contributing to our culture. The government will give directives to the CRTC about its vision for the bill. That will be followed by a consultation process where stakeholders can weigh in before any of the details are decided. So it's a done deal. The bill has mm. received royal assent. It's on the books. I think it's going to change things, maybe more than people realize. As someone who rubs elbows with a lot of friends who work in film and TV and music and stuff, um, this makes a huge difference. Like for years, the Canadian music and television scene has been um, boosted tremendously as a result of the CRTC's requirement for television and radio to play up that percentage of Canadian content. Having streamers like Netflix and Disney and Crave and Paramount Plus and all this other stuff, requiring them to further inflate our you know, entertainment industry, I think it's a good thing for people. It's definitely a good thing for creators. Absolutely. Um, Canadian creators. Um, yeah. So it's going to basically give more opportunities the same way when the CRTC rule, like with radio and television, you know, traditional 
media uh, always had to have a certain percentage of Canadian content on their airwaves. And that was something that gave opportunities for Canadian musicians, Canadian film and television producers. So yeah, for, for content creators, it's going to be probably a positive uh, event for them. I don't uh, see how it couldn't, how it couldn't be, you know, there's a lot of thinking just of music. There's so many like groups and bands and performers where, where you think like they're big in Canada, but nowhere else. Those people still manage to, earned enough money to make a living doing their, you know, their music or whatever. Mm -hmm. and, and the reason they became big in Canada is likely due to this CRTC requirement for their music to be played alongside the Rolling Stones and ACDC and uh, Katy Perry and Miley Cyrus on the radio. Like that's what's yeah. given people that leg up. I think if, if you have anything to do with television or, or filmmaking in any way this bill c11 being passed is a huge huge win for your future in that industry yeah it gets more complicated though when you look at it from the audience's mm. uh perspective and lens so when you are consuming your entertainment and your media through the internet through online resources whatever it is through streaming apps through uh, websites, and you don't really want the government telling you what you should probably watch, right? Mm -hmm. And yeah. so I think what people are nervous about is the the reach that the government is going to have in terms of controlling what really kind of is more of an open playing field where, you know, content creators can show whatever they want, you know, like Disney can show whatever they want to you. And, uh, uh, and then you buy it based off of that. But then once you start changing uh, the rules for them specifically in Canada, then how are those creators who aren't Canadian, you know, those media companies who aren't Canadian going to react to this? Yeah. And that's going to be a big pain for them because now they're like, we need, Canadian content, a certain amount of it. Uh, we need to produce it. We need to do all of these things now just to operate in Canada. Mm -hmm. And then when you look at the size of the Canadian market to them, you know, Canada is a big land, but it's not a lot of people in it. So yeah, how, a... how are they going to take that? And mm -hmm. uh, is it going to become more of a thorn than it is worth the effort? Yeah. for them yeah it's it's going to be interesting to watch it play out and jill in the chat makes a good a good con a good point as well is it's not only about the canadian content it's also there's language laws so you'll likely see an increase in french language films and mm -hmm. such on netflix which you know for a lot of people probably not a lot that listen to the show this english show but for a lot of people that's probably a win um sure but, yeah We'll, we'll see how it plays out. I think it'll be a year or two before we have any idea of if it's going to be a good thing or a bad thing. And then with any change, there's going to be some growing pains to work out. But mm -hmm. ultimately, I'm optimistic about, about this. I certainly hope by the time they, they fill in the gaps on this thing, because right now it seems quite vague. Mm -hmm. But once they put it in place and fine tune it, hopefully they come up with something that works for everybody mm -hmm. um, but you know uh, I yeah also I'll stay hopeful
Do you remember the last time we talked about the province of Saskatchewan? Uh, I think I mumbled about Saskatchewan in my sleep last night, but okay. other than that, no. The, what I'm referring to is we, we talked about uh, uh, Regina. Remember the that weird marketing campaign? Oh, uh, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. All the Regina nonsense? Yeah, yeah I remember well, that. That was kind of like the actual city of Regina being crazy, but now it looks like perhaps the entire province of Saskatchewan is nuts. Uh, the province of Saskatchewan got in a little beef or a tiff with an online commenter who was making fun of them, and they issued a cease and desist letter. Kind of odd reaction. Here's here's what happened and or, or is happening in Saskatchewan. Well, if you're on social media, you may have encountered various parody accounts sharing satirical posts mocking the government of Saskatchewan. But as Wayne Manteca explains, it appears the province feels it's no laughing matter. It has become a well-known government slogan, growth that works for everyone. When Ian McDonald used the logo in a social media post critical of the province, he received a cease and desist notice from the government. I created essentially, uh, you know, a, a sarcastic meme or joke image about uh, growth that works for everyone when uh, clearly it doesn't and it hasn't been. The government notice says, attention Ian, the stylized We Chief logos you have used in this post are copyrighted by the government of Saskatchewan. It goes on to say, we are demanding that you cease and desist and remove them. McDonald complied but it encouraged others to join in with posts of their own. It exploded with people taking it on and retweeting the originals and retweeting that and creating their own. The NDP believe the government has no legal grounds for issuing a cease and desist request. It's very silly that the government is prioritizing this. Uh, of course, citizens can make fun of their government. That's part of a democracy. Uh, so they're wrong on the law and, and they're wrong in terms of uh, their priorities. I, 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 I was shocked to see that uh, they're expending resources actually, you know, trying to take these people on on social media. The government says it owns the copyright to the logo, but offer no immediate response to the controversy. Wayne Manteca, CTV News, Regina. Get real, Saskatchewan. Get real specifically, <laughs> like the people who handle Saskatchewan's social media, because it yeah, looked it yeah. looked like that's that cease and desist looked to me a lot like a DM from a Twitter account. They showed mm -hmm. it on screen on that news clip. So it looks like the cease and desist was just a harshly worded DM from the province of Saskatchewan's account to this guy who made a meme about his province sucking, which arguably is true. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, this is one of those circumstances where. Like, I'll agree that, yes, they have the rights to that logo. And sure, you do, when you have the rights to a logo, I'm sure you have the right to say to someone, don't use that logo, that's mm -hmm. our logo. Mm -hmm. But, this but guy's then not you can argue that that logo is paid for by taxpayer Ooh, money. That's a good point. But so it, then he can say, well, I help pay for that logo, so I can actually use the logo legally. Mm, yeah, that's one argument. Then another th side of it is like, you know, yeah, they have the copyright. And if this guy um, set up a business selling shirts with that image on it, you know, that would that that'd be a time to flex your cease and desist muscles. But mm -hmm. someone on Twitter making memes and Photoshop about like the province sucking it, that that's not the time to write a harshly worded DM that comes off as like this kind of 
clumsy cease and desist mm-hmm. legal threat. It's like get real. I'm glad this guy took that DM and went to the went to the press with it. I'm sure that's it, what happened. Yeah, and it's also like there's those circumstances where you should you bother kicking up a fuss about this? Yeah, like, you choose your battles. Yeah. So what's going to be worse for you? The the fact that this thing is out there, this satirical uh, photoshopped logo uh, with a slogan on it, or is it even worse that you react to it mm. and ask him to stop using the logo, send a cease and desist, and then everybody around the country sees you reacting in this way when you could just let the dust settle on it and it'll go away. But now it's blown up even more. Yeah. So it backfires on you when you react like this. So yeah. Come on you for this short sighted fools. Uh, yeah, I have, just let it go. I have a feeling whoever sent that DM didn't maybe run it like the cease and desist DM didn't run it through the proper channels. I can't imagine that's the government's like official response to to this guy making this meme. I, I feel like it was just a uh, an agitated social media manager or something that sent that. Mm-hmm. But then again, it does come across as this kind of legal things. So I, I don't know. It's nonsense. Fools. Yes, yeah, yeah. They've really pushed your buttons on this one. I'm just, it it just bugs me to see like there the internet, Twitter specifically is just full of people like bashing the government and hating each other. If you can't take the heat Saskatchewan, stay out of the kitchen. You're not going to go on Twitter and have a bunch of people yeah. happy about your the way you run the province. And if you get if you if you get bees in your bonnet about one guy photoshopping it to talk about how you you know you favor the people who voted for you or something it's like man it must be a long day at work for the people who handle saskatchewan social media accounts oh yeah absolutely um it's uh and no one's feeling bad for saskatchewan like were they thinking that people were going to feel bad for them <laughs> like oh you can't be using their logo that's their logo it's copywritten yes that's not fair yeah low blow <laughs> uh yeah nonsense but let's move on to some more nonsense mm. and this one this is going to get dark because this is we're going to be talking about two dumb canadian crimes but the crime, maybe a better word would be two like bizarre and troubling and disturbing Canadian crimes. So this is probably not a good part of the show for um, youthful audience to listen to because these crimes are mm-hmm. are nasty and awful, but they're just so bizarre that they need to be mentioned on this show. They, they may be better reserved. I do another series, Madeline Klein and I are often doing it called Encounters with Creeps, where we look at uh, listener contributed stories of encounters with creepy people. These stories maybe would be well suited on that series, but we got to talk about them here. I got to get your take on this. Yeah. The first, I'm going to read you both of these. The first one is about a masturbating maintenance man. Okay. You didn't have to say that so low into the mic though. Oh, did, like you, I tried you, to lower the volume, but yeah, I leaned in. You, I'm you leaned down into the mic. And you're like a uh, um, um, masturbating uh, maintenance man. <laughs> Here's what he's up to. Police in Guelph, Ontario have charged a maintenance person who they say was caught on camera lying on a client's bed 
and undoing his pants. Police say that on April 7th, the 22-year-old worker visited a home in Guelph's Exhibition Park area to, to repair a plumbing issue. According to police, once inside the home, the man looked in the fridge before entering the homeowner's bedroom. That's when he allegedly removed personal lubrication from a bedside table and laid down on the bed, unaware of several surveillance cameras in the home, including one in that said bedroom. Police say the homeowner activated a voice feature on the camera and asked the man to leave. He quickly, I'm sure quickly, stood up mm -hmm. and appeared to be pulling up his, plant, his pants, police say. Police arrested the man on Wednesday and he's charged with committing an indecent act, mischief to property, and being unlawfully in a dwelling. Yeah. Super yeah. Act, yeah. All very appropriate charges. <laughs> Could you imagine how quick he stood up? What was this freak doing? Well, you know well, exactly what he was doing. Well, let uh, me say this. What was this freak thinking? He was like, what was happening here? So he goes in. I well, don't know. He thought he was alone, which is when you normally masturbate. Uh, right. So he I thought he was completely alone in his own home. Like, well, uh, not in his own home. He knew he was in someone else's house. Yeah. But is this my thought, lubricant well, on my bedside table? No, he's like, he's. <laughs> yeah, he just. He woke up, he blacked out and then, you know, masturbated in his blackout and then woke up like, ah, he woke up to a voice being like, what are you doing on my you bed? Like, oh, I thought I was home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, he's he thought he was alone, you know, and um, he's in his early 20s. So his libido is still completely, you know, probably at the forefront of all of his decisions <laughs> in life. And he thought he was alone and he didn't think he should have thought. We all should know by now that us, a lot of homes now, enough to know that you should never masturbate in somebody else's home. <laughs> people have blink cameras or, you oh know, God. Secu security cameras that they have all over the place. They're so common now that. You can't just go into a stranger's home and just masturbate and get away with it anymore. Like we used to be able to do. Like we, yeah, everybody did. <laughs> uh, in the 80s, everybody masturbated. They hated masturbating in their own house. Yeah. Like, I need to go to somebody else's house to do this because that's the only way. <laughs> you know? uh, we don't need to make the joke, but Jill in the chat mentions that there's probably a lot of jokes in in um the fact that he was going there to fix a plumbing issue oh yeah clearing the pipes yeah something was backed up i don't know we don't need to go there but people can use their mm. imagination uh well uh you know yeah again he should have been like i want to do this but i'm but working probably yeah there's probably <laughs> cameras <laughs> uh here's another one that's also dark and uh, darker and awfuler but equally bizarre and disturbing so the headline of this is uber driver rapist with great reviews with great reviews so police are searching for a man who allegedly sexually assaulted a woman while working as an uber driver then used her phone to give himself a tip and a five-star rating Early Sunday, early, uh, early morning Sunday, April 23rd, York police say the Uber driver was in his white 2021 Toyota Corolla when he picked up the 26-year-old victim in the area of Young Street and Englington and Avenue in Toronto to drive her to Vaughan. On the way, officers said he pulled into a parking lot in the area of Rutherford and Weston Roads in Vaughan and allegedly sexually assaulted his passenger. 
Police say the suspect grabbed the women, grabbed the victim's phone to end the trip, gave himself a high review, and added a tip before giving her her phone back. The suspect then passed the phone back to the woman before she got out of the car and he drove off. The victim was not physically harmed, police say. Following an investigation, police are searching for Vikram Lather, 53, of Brampton, in connection with the incident. He's facing one count of sexual assault and fraud over $5,000. Police believe there may be other victims and encourage anyone affected by this to reach out and speak with investigators. Mm -hmm. So this is altogether different. I don't know what this man did to her, but um, they got to get this guy off the streets because he sounds nuts. And he also is quite brazen to take her phone, leave a good review, which can obviously be traced back to him in his car, and add a tip, which is probably why there's that fraud charge. Yeah, yeah. You got anything to say about this guy? Well, this one is gross. Like, it's just, it's horrible. Mm -hmm. Like, the last one you can have a laugh about. This one is just disgusting. Yeah. Uh, Getting in a cab... um, can be a dangerous idea we hear here in halifax that's a very like hot topic the safety for women in cabs we've had several high profile situations with sexual assaults between a cab driver and um a female occupant of his vehicle so uh, and then just having like uber it seems like it's even a bit more the wild west than like a regulate like the more traditionally regulated cab thing where someone's like a long-term cab driver if you know what i mean like uber seems like it maybe could be an easier route for a nutcase to end up alone in a car with someone yeah and and the ratings in uber it's always a self-policing system. You know, if you have a, if you get a bad rating, then people aren't going to want to take you. They're not going to want to use you to get rides from. Mm -hmm. Uh, So there's a lot of trust in those ratings. Right. Mm -hmm. And so when you see someone manipulating it this way, it's, it's disturbing. Yeah. Uh, Well, they know who he is. They're looking for him. They're going to get this guy and yeah bring them down and hopefully like we had the update with diesel hopefully the dog who was stolen in the truck hopefully we have a positive update for this that he's off the streets uh, to not do that sort of thing ever again to anyone Mm -hmm. um but let's start wrapping this up before i do i want to announce uh, a listener incentive slash contest we really enjoy hearing from people Uh, like Joblin, who wrote in or or called in from the Netherlands. On my website, nighttimepodcast.com, in the contact section, I have a way you can send us voice memos, which we air and respond to on the show. But I'm going to raise the bar to try to encourage people to call in more often. What I'm going to do from now on is any voice memos I air on the show, and I air most of them on the show, Mm -hmm. uh, I'm going to send a thank you gift in the mail to listeners that will include Keep Canada Weird swag. That could be something like what I'm holding in front of me now, which is a Keep Canada Weird magnet for your fridge. I have Keep Canada Weird keychains. I have sticker sheets with different designs, all sorts of things. So if you would like to get some cool Keep Canada Weird merch, uh, find a reason to send a voice memo to us through nighttimepodcast.com's contact section. Do you have anything to say about that? Well, the ultimate uh, prize when you leave a voicemail is is you get to appear on the show. Absolutely. And remember last week we heard from someone who was delighted to hear themselves. Yeah, and that was her second appearance mm-hmm. on the show. 
because so, uh, she sent in a voicemail reacting to her original voicemail. Since we are here talking about people writing in and commenting on things, what do you want to hear from people about? What about uh, the? Uh, what about if they write in and weigh in on uh, Dickieberg? You know oh, right. The <laughs> iceberg uh, that looks like a, a giant penis. That looks like it is. It's like it's exact. I even showed it to my son and he did, had no hesitation. He was like, <gasps> for people who don't know what I'm talking mm. about, there's a photo that's gone viral in Newfoundland. Uh, a man from Dildo, Newfoundland. I know and he's from Dildo. <laughs> it's like this. That couldn't be more of a sexual Canadian coincidence. He was taking photos of um, icebergs flowing past. And as he was taking the photos, one of the icebergs kind of split and it left what looks like a large erect penis made of ice just floating around the harbor. Or I don't know if it's a harbor or the ocean or what. Yeah, it was but, in the ocean. But that photo has gone viral. People have called it uh, or coined the term for it uh, Dicky Bird. I've also heard Chilly Willy. Um, chilly willy i like that one yeah but uh if if they want to tell us of their thoughts on that great but if not that what do you hear want to hear from people uh i just want to hear not even like a lot of times most of our voicemails are reacting to stories that we talk about on the show uh things that we say kind of listeners commenting on on us commenting on things but uh, we could also just take weird stories. You know, if you have a weird story, um, let us hear it. It doesn't have to be necessarily related to um, the show. All right. Well, let's wrap this up, buddy. Anything let's else you want to say before we put a bow on this show? Well, let's wrap it up. Let's do it. Aaron, until next time. Jordan, until next time. Uh, stop harassing governments on Twitter and um, watch more Canadian content. If you're in somebody else's home, keep it in your pants. Sound advice. I want to thank you for helping Aaron and I fulfill our mandate to keep Canada weird. But let us also call out to you for even greater support in this mission. If something weird happens in your neck of the woods, please let us know. We'd love to hear about it and discuss it in our upcoming episode. The best way to contact us is by voice memo at nighttimepodcast.com. We hope to hear from you. Now, before we part here, I'm going to end with some thanks. First, a big thanks to Aaron for sharing another evening with me and with you, the listeners of Nighttime. A big shout out to the internet's favorite cult leader, Unicole, who provides the intro and outro voiceovers for this series. And lastly, a massive thank you to everyone who listens to the Nighttime Podcast, as without your interest and your support, this show would be as pointless as it would be impossible. Now on the topic of support, let me thank the newest subscribers to the premium feed. Shandell, Emma, Kay, and Paul, thank you for contributing to Keep Canada Weird. And for anyone else who'd like to support the show, you can help us by simply sharing this episode on social media and letting like-minded friends know about the great work we're doing here. If anyone listening has any story ideas, would like to give feedback on the show, or contribute a voice memo to be aired and responded to in an upcoming episode, you can do all that more at nighttimepodcast.com. We hope to hear from you. But until then, take care of each other, hug your loved ones tight, and let us know if you see anything weird. Keep Canada Weird is written, hosted, and produced by the Nighttime Podcast. 